Hello and welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where each week, Pastor Jeff Cranston explores biblical theology that provides practical life applications in an understandable way. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Tiffany Coker, along with my dad, Pastor Jeff Cranston. We're seeking not only to help you know deep, solid biblical theology, but to know the Word of God and the promises of God that are given to us in His Word, all while holding to solid theological truths in your heart, soul, and mind. On today's podcast, we are going to look at another one of Paul's letters, this time to 1 Timothy. And Dad, as we were preparing for this, I was thinking about today's podcast, this letter from Paul. It sort of reminded me of times in the past when I have played with my kids out in the driveway blowing bubbles. Bubbles were always a huge hit in our family. I know that my nieces love bubbles too, but when my kids were little, when they were toddlers, I have memories of them playing. They never could understand why. You know, you see the bubble floating in the air and they're going to catch it and they're going to hold it. But as soon as they try to catch it, it pops and you just see the disappointment on their faces like, Oh, it was so close. For me, it's funny and entertaining, but I know for them, it was probably frustrating. (laughs) Yeah, maybe you should have done that in sub-zero temperatures that it would have formed and they could have caught the bubble. Frozen. (laughs) Frozen. Yeah, that grabbing it and then it disappears, it sort of reminds me a little bit about uh, of cotton candy. It's very much like, like that with cotton candy, too. Yes, you get so excited to eat cotton candy, but I think it's so disappointing. (laughs) You get a huge blob of it, you put it on your tongue, and the whole thing disappears. It's delicious for just a second, but it does not satisfy your hunger. If you're hungry, it's not a good snack. There's no nutritional value. But yeah, so bubbles, cotton candy, things like that. I think Kitchen Table Theologian, there's a lot of things in life that really just do not quite satisfy us like we think that they should. So if we take that a step further, we think we can find joy in certain things and we wind up disappointed. Maybe things like your job or success, money, getting something new for your house. But the more we try to use these things to feel contentment, the more we realize it just doesn't work. None of those things last. In the end, we can't hang on to them. They pop like the bubble or they just disappear on your tongue like the cotton candy. Yeah, which is a great lead-in, I think, to First Timothy today, because godly contentment is one of the main theological themes in this letter. Let's just go ahead and jump right in and cover some of the basics of First Timothy. So, Dad, talk to us a little bit about the author, the audience, when it was written, all of those basic background things like that. Yeah, I'd love to do that. So, let's begin with the author. It's the Apostle Paul. There's Really, again, to go into any rationale for why it's not him is really a waste of time. It's the first of Paul's final series of letters, which, along with 2 Timothy and Titus, are referred to as the pastoral epistles. And this letter, 1 Timothy, offers a lot of practical and pastoral advice from the aging apostle Paul to uh, his young mentee, this young younger pastor named Timothy, who was working in the church at Ephesus. And by the aging Paul, I, I mean that Paul was likely approaching his 60th birthday, which to me now is very young. And, so young. Uh, 
But <laughs> in that time period, Paul had reached a pretty good old age at, at around 60. And the I say that because the average lifespan of a first century Jewish male from that region of the world then was about 35 to 40 years of age. And that wow. is, it sure, certainly sounds shockingly low, but it's low because of the high infant mortality rate back then. A man, however, who made it into adulthood generally lived to be around 50 to 55, although certainly many lived well beyond that. Anyway, more than a decade prior to writing this letter, Paul had first met Timothy in the city of Lystra or Lystra, where already Timothy had been known and respected by Christians. And we discern all this from reading Acts 16. Upon Paul recognizing that Timothy had some pretty, I think, impressive qualities, Paul recruited him to travel with him as Paul went on or continued on his second missionary journey. And that presence of Timothy would have, I think, been an important, met an important need for Paul, companionship, friendship. And because when those two connected relationally, Paul had recently had a split, a little bit of a split with his close friend and partner in ministry and missions, a guy by the name of Barnabas. And you can read that in Acts 15. So it was it, Timothy and Paul had a very strong bond. Uh, there was probably some father-son overtones to that, certainly in the spiritual realm. But Paul thought the world of Timothy and, and placed a lot of responsibilities on his young shoulders. The story about Barnabas might have to be another yeah. story for another time. But let's maybe give us some context. You mentioned Paul's age and a little bit about where we are in his life story, but give us some context of all of this in relation to the rest of the New Testament, if you will. And then maybe a little bit about when you believe Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, because I think there is a little bit of controversy about that. So tell us what you think about that. Yeah, there there has been people, I guess people just need to find things to argue about from time to time. And Bible scholars love to do it. They're no different than anybody else in regard to the date of the writing of this letter. And it's because of the Bible's silence on the ultimate fate of Paul, and that's caused scholars to debate the date of the writing. So let's just see if we can piece a few things together, though. The book of, the book of Acts, when we get to the very end of that, the end of Acts, ends with Paul sitting in a Roman prison awaiting his hearing before the Roman emperor. And that was a privilege of appeal that every Roman citizen possessed, and Paul certainly was Jewish, but he was also a Roman citizen. And so he appealed to Caesar. However, the writing of these three letters, the pastoral epistles, clearly dates to a time after the events that occurred in the book of Acts. So where was Paul? Around what date was it when he wrote to Timothy the first time? Well, Paul had expected the Romans to release him from prison. And that's something that we know happened, and it likely happened near the end of A.D. 62. And Philippians 2 gives us a little bit of a read on that. So his release allowed him the opportunity to travel to Ephesus, and eventually he placed Timothy in charge of the ministry of that church there in Ephesus. So Paul then went on to preach in Macedonia. We know that. 
We know that he heard reports of Timothy's work at Ephesus, and that prompted him to write First Timothy. And so probably we're going to say AD 63, the date of the writing of this letter, because Paul likely died around AD 64. Okay, and you mentioned Timothy again there. It's a good for us to remember Timothy is the recipient of this letter, correct? Paul isn't writing this letter to a church like he has some of the other letters. Yeah, that, that's right. Uh, he's writing specifically to Timothy. However, there's much in the letter for churches. T- Timothy was pastoring, as I said, the church in Ephesus, and he'd never been a pastor before. So Paul's sending him instructions and how-tos for leading a church. And and I think it's good because we tend to overlook this. We should remember churches hadn't been around much at all at this point in history, and everything was new, and everything was first time. And in what we refer to as the quote-unquote early church period. So Paul wrote 1 Timothy in order that he's advising this young co-worker of his concerning issues that Paul heard were arising in the church in Ephesus. So when Paul left Timothy there, he had specifically charged him to deal with some false teachers in the church. And he says that right at the outset of the letter in chapter one, verse three, he says, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. So since Paul was then separated from Timothy in the Ephesian church, he wrote back to Timothy with further instructions. So he, we know Paul hoped to return for a visit, but wrote in the meantime to address in a number of ways areas in which Christians, this is how you should act, this is how you should live, this is how you should behave, this is how you should believe. So even though Paul is writing specifically to Timothy, there's something that all of us in churches can take from this book. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So tell us, why is 1 Timothy so important? Well, it's important for many reasons. Just quickly, it, it presents the, the most explicit and complete instructions on church leadership and church organization in, in the entire Bible. And this includes sections on appropriate conduct when you come together as a church to worship. It includes the qualifications of elders and deacons. Paul addresses the role of women in the church, the proper order of church discipline. Paul's advising Timothy on practical matters in a way that would have helped the young pastor to emphasize the purity that should characterize not only a church, but Christian leaders and the gatherings that they oversee. So really important to us still today because of what we do. And he tells us this is what a church is. This is what a church should do. This is what a church should look like. Okay. Turning to some of the themes of the book, we started today's podcast by referring to godliness with contentment, is what you said. And that's, you got that, that's one of Paul's lines to Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, it reads, godliness with contentment is great gain. And you said that's a key theological theme throughout this letter. Paul begins chapter six with a description of true godliness, and he warns him about those who, this is a quote from verse five here, think that godliness is a means to financial gain. So in chapter six, Paul exposes dishonest teachers who 
with word games, pointless disputes, their money-making schemes. All of this will lead Christians away from their genuine faith in Christ. And Paul explains that the true definition of godliness and what that is, he makes it really clear it's not at all what these, maybe we'll call them troublemakers, think <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, and that that's... That's well summarized. It's always amazing to me how so often the, the things that we're warned about from first century biblical writers are still prevalent today. And mm-hmm. so to your point with the financial gain thing, we, we commonly hear of Christian preachers and figureheads using their positions of influence to amass really unimaginable wealth. And you find out that they're living opulent lifestyles with ranches and multiple homes and jets and fleets of vehicles and so forth, and and they flaunt it. And what is perhaps most amazing to me is people continue to give them money uh, because of the way that they couch it. And they're wolves in sheep's clothing, they're false teachers and false prophets, but it, it really boggles the mind. And in the worst instances, Jesus, among these false teachers and preachers, Jesus is portrayed often as a means to achieve an end. And uh, the end is our hopes and dreams and our financial security. And that's the very mindset we're warned against in 1 Timothy 6. So Tiff, how about reading, since we've been in 1 Timothy 6 here, how about reading verses 9 and 10 for us? Absolutely. This is what it says. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Yeah, so rather than consider amassing wealth as great gain, Paul states that godliness with contentment is great gain. So all of this stuff is like bubbles that as soon as you reach out to grab it, it pops. It's like cotton candy. As soon as you put it on your tongue, it dissipates. And the theological theme throughout this letter is that Christ followers are, we're to focus our efforts on pursuing holiness in our conduct, our attitude, our thought, that we should choose to be content in whatever circumstances God has us in. And just as Paul himself had done while in prison, he talks about that in Philippians 4. So we're in First Timothy, he tells Timothy, and this applies to us, he says, flee from all this eagerness to get rich and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. So contrary to what many popular health and wealth proponents would have us believe, the Bible warns us against pursuing riches. The Bible never says it's a sin to be rich, but we're warned strongly about pursuing riches. For example, Proverbs 23, 4 admonishes us, do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Stop dwelling on it. And it's impossible to be content when our hearts are set on gaining more. We never have enough. I'm never content with what God's given me. I got to have more. And really, we won't remain godly for long if we're not content with what God has given us and continues to give us. And Paul's clear to teach us that a desire for godliness is quickly eroded by a greedy, covetous spirit. I guess what it really all comes down to is where our heart is in all of this. Is that, isn't that right? 
Yeah, I, I think the absolute difference is in the heart. Both greed and contentment are states of the heart. And when we choose to be content with the riches of Christ, rather than pursue material riches, our lives will be more in line with God's desire for us. Because as Jesus taught us, wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Well, there is so much more in Paul's first letter to Timothy. We really can't get into it in just one podcast, but this letter is pretty short. It's only six chapters long. So kitchen table theologian, maybe take a few minutes, sit down and just read Paul's letter to first to Timothy, that first um, letter today, if you have a few minutes. We really do thank you for listening to Kitchen Table Theology Podcast today with Pastor Jeff Cranston. Yes. We want to remind them what's coming next week. Oh, yes. We are going to have a quiz next yeah, week. Yeah, we it's time done for, one of it's time for another quiz. <laughs> we have not done a I'm quiz a in a nervous. while. And we know everybody loves the quizzes. I'll, I'll prep a quiz for us because we've covered it a lot a since lot. the last time we had a quiz here on Kitchen Table Theology. So, Lord willing, we'll do that next week. I'm going to have to study up. <laughs> but yeah, so next week we will have a quiz here. We'll pause our Bible overview series. But again, if you are enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving a rating or a review on iTunes. We thank you for helping us get the word out there. You can check out today's episode notes and lots more at jeffcranston.com. As always, thanks are due to our friends at Low Country Community Church here in Bluffton, South Carolina and at Streamline Podcasts for making this podcast possible. We will see you next week with a quiz. And until then, always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. Thanks for joining us at the table. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, please check out our show notes. If you have a question from today's podcast, kindly email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.